Next on the Tee, in Episode 10 of Season 2. It's a Hale State kind of day, as we are joined by two top dogs whose Mississippi State maroon pride shines throughout this incredible pod. A 2020 Academic All-American, U.S. Open qualifier, and the stroke play medalist at this year's North and South Amateur, Abby Daniel. Joining Abby is the winner of the first ever Sea Island Women's Amateur, a 2019 WGCA Academic All-American, a junior who cards a historic 11-under in this last year's SEC Championships, Hannah Levi. We battled some wind while recording on the range after day one of the North and South. But that's nothing new for a few golfers. Come on, Al. We're not going to let a little wind hold us back, are we? Of course not. We were so lucky to sit down with Hannah and Abby. Going into this event, we knew that the field was packed with amazing talent. And uh, we were very hopeful that we could sit down with a few of the best. And I think we did here. Uh, So many players to pick from, but the Bulldogs... Mississippi State, Hale State, that's something that you hold true to your heart, Allie. So when we walked into it, we were really, really looking for some Mississippi State talent, and boy, did we get it. I loved Mississippi State before meeting Abby and Hannah. I've never been there, never played Mossy Oak or Old Waverly, never even heard of the barn until talking with a few dogs, but I love it. My favorite player is Allie Ewing, perhaps the best to ever do it at State, and that has been reason enough for me. After meeting Hannah and Abby, my mind is set. Hale State is a special place, and it should be on everyone's list of dream colleges. All right, just so you know what you're going to get into with this podcast, we sit down, talk a little bit about Vision 54, mental compartmentalizing. Yeah, that's right. We're going to drop some boxes on you and some knowledge. Hannah really breaks that down for us in this episode. Both players battled some injury and made some major gains afterwards, and it changed the course of their careers, actually. Practice round tips. I can't tell you how often we go out for a practice round before a tournament really don't have a strong plan. These girls do, and I'm going to tell you, if you listen, I'll bet you put some of it into play for yourselves the next time you guys are prepping for a big event. We also talk about Coach Ewing and the culture at Mississippi State, the barn, Allie Ewing and her impact on the program, and even a little hunting talk out of Hannah in this one. I can't wait to see Abby and Hannah again, and I can't wait for you to listen to episode 10 of season 2 on Girl the Grind. Thank you so much for sitting down with us after your early morning rounds. Today was the opening day of stroke play here at Pinehurst for the North and South Women's Amateur. Abby was the first ball up on number 2 and Hannah was right behind her at 7.40. What a great pair of guests you will be. We appreciate you. Thanks for coming on Grow the Grind. Yes, thank you very much. So let me set the stage a little bit here, okay? So obviously we love Pinehurst, but we're in a pretty mint spot, aren't we? We've got some golf carts driving by. We're watching the 18th. Girls are finishing up right now. Their first round play, Pinehurst 2. We're sitting at pageant range. We've got range balls going off in the background. And we got two dogs with us, right? We've got Mississippi State well represented here at the North and South, aren't you? Oh, yeah. What are, yeah, we, what are we looking out. at? What are we looking at here, Abby? How many girls showed out? Uh, we have six girls here, one who just graduated, and the other five are current players. Buddies? They're your buddies? Oh, yeah. Good buddies. 
Okay, so <laughs> obviously you guys are, are, you know, you've done some some stuff together throughout the week already. You've, you've had some practice rounds together. You joined us the other, and we're going to get into that later. You joined us for a fun little event that we hosted at the Cradle that was a little different, right? Um, but Ellie wants to know about today, right, Al? Yeah, definitely. Um, so you guys just finished your round, and um, we want to talk about how that went today and some of the challenges out there. Abby, you go first. You're going to lead. Okay, because voices right. are different. Maybe people aren't going to recognize your voice. We're going to lead with you, and okay. we'll work your way into it. Okay, give you a little more time, Hannah, to think some things Sounds through. Sounds good. How'd it go, Abby? Uh, all in all, it was a pretty solid round. Uh, it was a pretty good ball striking day. I was keeping the ball on, on the right sides of the pin, which led to some easier up and downs when I did miss the greens. Didn't make a ton of birdies out there, but managed the bogeys really well. So just kept away from the, from the big numbers. But you didn't look happy under the tent. Uh, I had a, a three-putt coming in, so always always hurts a little bit, but uh, but pretty pretty pleased. So the format the format here is very cool. You play two, you play four, and then they cut it. They cut the field, Correct. and thirty-two make it to match play. And so we kind of have a number in our head that we're thinking initially mm -hmm. that that might be good enough to get you in, and and I think it usually plays to about plus three, plus four for the cut before they yep. create a field out of thirty-two, and then and then it gets really really fun. But you guys are, I think, in a really good position in that you guys have carded your round on two, mm -hmm. right? So you've mm -hmm. carded your round on two that even is, I, t I thought it was pure. I think 32 is going to be way ahead of where everybody else is. And then, Hannah, you came in, and I, I thought you were a little bit frustrated about the round, right? I was definitely frustrated. And the score was maybe a little higher than we wanted. A little higher. Um, you know, I hit the ball really well today. I had a couple shots that were, you know, so-so, but still manageable, and uh, I didn't manage them. And, uh, but really what got me was the greens. Um, just had struggle, had some struggles adjusting to the green speed. Um, I was pretty much consistently hitting everything by. Uh, had some good reads and, um, you know, just missed everything high on the high side and rolling out past the pin and, you know, just couldn't really get anything going in the hole and then had a three putt there and another little putting mishap on one of those holes out there but, but that's what this place does to you it does i mean that's what two is known for are we uh, i think you said the pin on five was silly bad right Ab? oh yeah the pin what, on, pin what on did five they do to you was, uh it was tucked right kind of middle right right middle on right. the top of that ridge so any any shots that hung up right or or long were just stupid fast yeah we saw two people putt uh, off the green on eight, and, and we only watched two or three groups come up on eight. So we know that Pinehurst too is known for their greens, mm -hmm. and so with that plus, what were you today? Plus plus six. Plus six. I mean, you're going to get it down to plus three tomorrow on four. You're going low, and and so I think that that's something that you have to look forward to. Uh, we'll talk about practice rounds a little bit. Yeah. So sometimes I feel like it's challenging to get that tournament play into your practice rounds. And I feel like you guys do that very well, and I want to know how you can bring that tournament mindset to practice. Well, I think something fun we do, especially at school in our practice rounds, is we always have a game going between the, the players that are playing. So we're not playing for score, but we'll play a birdie game or a lag putt game. And so the birdie game, you just you play until you can't make birdie anymore. And so whoever has the most birdies at the end of the day is the one who wins. And the lag putt coach will normally pick a, a silly long putt for us and you play par two on each hole and lowest score wins that that game for the day so an 18 so. hole lag putt game mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you pick up after you can't make birdie 
Not on the lag putts. No, the but lag, on the other. On the birdie game. game, yes. You pick up after you can't make birdie. So that way you're not focusing on your score, but you're still having to get up there, read putts, focus on you know hitting good shots into the greens and everything so like that. So do you not putt that par putt? Mm-mm, not typically. What do you, you do then? So, what's, so how does that look for you when you get on the greens? Because uh, that's where everybody spends their time out there. Yeah, Everything's sure. You hit a couple shots, you're on the green, then it's like 20 minutes it looked like. Yeah, dude, the practice rounds the other day were so slow on too. Oh, my gosh. Were you out we there for that there. mess? They were a while. What was the first nine there? Like three and a half, three and a half hours, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, clearly something's happening on the greens. Yes. I don't think they're playing birdie games and lag putt games, by the way, out here. No. Did no. you guys do that together? So we, Hannah and I are kind of, I guess, a bit more not diligent in our practice rounds, but... We don't take a ton of time. We don't like to practice a whole lot uh, out on the course. We like to play the course, get a feel for the greens, and then and then do our practice after the rounds. So we were we were definitely waiting a good bit. But I think everyone was just trying to kind of figure out the chipping around the greens. I saw a lot of people hitting a ton of chips. The greens are or the fringe, I guess, is is pretty tight. So everyone was trying to figure out what clubs they wanted to use around the greens in order to manage some of those short-sighted shots. I think that's where a lot of the a lot of the time was spent. What other tricks you guys got? Because I like both those. I mean, that lag putt one is really cool. I could see us putting that alley into it for you guys when you go play five. Yeah, it definitely keeps you. Focused you guys keep a card on, on that? Are you like the four of you in the? In, we just they... keep it out loud. So yeah. we'll, after each hole, we'll be like, "All right, she's three. I'm two. I'm one. Whatever it plays out." I guess sometimes on the par threes, we'll do a closest to the pin. You know, just. Somebody will call it. Or if you hit some drives down in the fairway next to each other, we'll kind of look back or look at each other and be like closest to the pin. And that way you kind of have to get dialed in on, you know, a specific shot or something like that. Not gambling, are we? No, no sir. Never. Are you liars? <laughs> <laughs> you Venmo. It's Venmo, so it's not real gambling. and It's not cash. Okay. Because the practice rounds take forever and they're sometimes the biggest drag for parents when you're with your kids. Because I think a lot of people stand around and they want their kid to shoot like six under on a practice round so they feel good about going into the next day. Mm-hmm. All right. And so you don't keep a score. No score. Ever. Never. I feel... You know, I've played some tournaments before where I've gone out and played, you know, four score, you know, if I'm playing like a little four ball match or something in a practice round and you go out there and you shoot 67, 66 in the practice round and you're like, well, I got to do that tomorrow when I go play. And so you almost create these high expectations for yourself. And if you're out on the course the next day and you're not playing to that same standard, it's easy to beat yourself up. Especially early, if you start with one or two quick bogeys, yes, and you're sitting there with a 68 in your head, like it just unravels fast, doesn't it? It can. When did that change for you, Abby? Because at some point, I'm sure you went out there and you were trying to take a score when you were playing some of these prep tournament stuff. Yeah, so I mean, you always have some sort of number in your head, even if you're trying not to. I think the I think the key there is to not put a lot of emphasis on that score because you never know whether it's going to be over or under. You never know what one shot's going to get you. I mean, I can't tell you how many tournaments I've missed by one. Right. Be them qualifiers, be them cuts. And so just, I guess, keeping your expectations a little bit lower and you never know how everyone's going to finish coming in. So saving a, a shot here or there could be the difference in making a cut or getting that spot in a qualifier. So um, we're here at the North and South, and I would think that you guys worked hard to get to this point and trying to compete in this tournament. And so I want to know, how, what are some of those things that, so how did you prepare for the North and South? Was it different? Yeah, was it different than most? Um, I pretty much prepare the same way for most of my events. 
I just kind of focus on on things I've been doing really well and and making sure I'm getting some confidence from those and then touching up anything that I've that I've been struggling with. Uh, for me, before the North-South, I actually switched left-hand low about two weeks ago, probably. Uh, just wanted a little bit stronger left wrist in my stroke. How big which, of a change was that to your um, Not Not super big. Game. I've, I've putted left-hand low before, so it was just kind of a, a comfort thing getting back into that. But, but nothing specific to this course, Mm-mm. these fairways, these greens. Like, you can't really prep for these... Well, turtlebacks right i mean so we have one of our golf courses our home golf courses at mississippi state as very similar to the courses out here it's called mossy oak it's more of a link style not a ton of trees it has native areas with a similar style of grass in the native area and then those big slopes on the greens obviously not to this extent but definitely focus some practice there in preparation it also helps too because the man that designed mossy oak uh he did the redesign on number four a few years ago so there are definitely some gil hans was out there there. he he designed it back in 2016 i think is when we opened maybe 20 yeah 2015 or 2015 or 2016 and so there are definitely some similarities between number four and and mossy oak I don't want to disrespect you with that minus two tomorrow. So I didn't know you were prepping on Gill's courses. You're going out to four tomorrow. That's more confidence for you. Yeah, just being that we get to play it so much, I wasn't up in Startville heading into this tournament. But uh, you know, knowing knowing how our style of play works on out, out at Mossy Oak, you, you have that kind of in your back pocket, and you say, "Well, I play on that course all the time." So coming out here, you know, I feel pretty good about it. You you would be down for some match play, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, for sure. Never done it? I haven't done it, though, and it looks really fun and really cool. But um, what do you guys think about match play? How do you... How do you prep for that? Is it a different mindset when you get into that? How many tournaments have you guys played in where you've narrowed it down into match play? I've actually played only two times in match play, um, a few matches. I've played my freshman year at SECs. We played one match, and our team lost that first match. And then this past year at SECs, where we played three matches. Um, So that was kind of, those are really my only little taste of match play I've had. Uh, I've actually played a good bit of match play growing up. Our state AM has been match play for, I think, as long as I've been alive. So uh, I play there pretty much every year and get some get some experience from that. And then I've played match play, uh, obviously, same as Hannah at SECs this past year. So we played three matches. This match play gets tricky, though. I mean, when you guys both get there tomorrow, because you're going to play 36 holes, mm-hmm. you know, twice when you keep winning. Yeah. And so it's kind of a different type of preparation in that you can't ever really be ready for that. And the, and the mindset is going to be the most crucial part for anybody, whoever can kind of withstand what this course gives you for the longest. And that's kind of what it felt like. Like we're just watching some play out there today. There were a ton of birdies being made, but everybody kept giving them back. Mm-hmm. You know, it was really easy to give that, that stroke that you finally found that you've been looking for for three holes back to the course. And so when you're playing 36 holes, Allie just did this in her first AJGA event. Mm-hmm. I felt terrible. I put her in an AJGA event. I looked at it. It was She's 12 years old. It's 12 to 15. It's 6,000 yards. That's a bad yardage for her, and it's 36 holes the first day. Mm-hmm. And she fought. I mean, you fought pretty hard, but that second round a third yeah. of 18 was 
It was rough. It, let's just leave it at that. It was rough. <laughs> <laughs> so for you guys, I mean, I hope that you get to that point, but it's hot out here, man. I mean, it's steamy and, you know, yeah, there's a lot of those things. So I, I really hope that you get that opportunity. Any thoughts on that before we move on? I think in terms of the heat, Abby over here is from South Louisiana. I'm from South Mississippi. So honestly, this heat today, it's not really as humid as it is at home. And so it's kind of a kind of a We're nice chilling. little change. We're just hanging out. It's 93. I'm sweating in this blue shirt. I should have worn a darker shirt or something today. Hannah power flexed it in all black today. Dude, she is. And she's got kind of like that mid-sock game going. Oh, the crew sock is she's, crucial. She's crew sock all black. Especially out at Pinehurst with all the sand and everything. Nobody wants sand in your shoes and around your ankles. I think it's just, you know. It's yeah, so uh, for the for the event the other day, everybody was admiring Hannah because the skin sock game was like double skin sock game. She had the one, yeah. she had the one midline and then she had the short line. Oh, yeah. That's, you, that's as good as double. it gets. It's amazing. I love it. All right, let's move into that mindset. So you're very tough mentally. Uh, you have to be. So what do you think? How do you talk to juniors? How do you talk to parents to try to create a mindset in kids? How do they deal with their failure? How do you continue to push through the grind of golf, right? Like you can't be in this if you're not tough mentally. So what, what, do, you, what, what who, who, do you have a mental coach? Do you have anybody that really has spent time with you, Abby, working with you on that stuff? Or is this something that you've grown into as you've matured as a golfer? Uh, there's definitely, definitely a level of maturity there. Uh, I mean, you're going to have that when you start playing sports from a young age, you're going to have the just kind of lessons learned, I guess, of mistakes you made, how you could have handled things better. And I, I had my fair share of those in tournaments growing up uh, in every sport because I played, played a couple different sports growing up. Uh, so I think taking those lessons and then... So we can't rush it? We can't expedite this process for kids? Oh, for sure you can. Uh, well, that's what I, I want to know. I think there's definitely a, something to be said for for learning those lessons for yourself though because I me mean, my parents were both athletes and they tried to teach them to me growing up um and I'm, I'm i'm a little stubborn so i had to learn them for myself but i'd say there's definitely definitely some emphasis that needs to be put on maybe having a mental coach there we've had the the opportunity to work with vision 54 uh this this past semester and i think they've been they've been really great they take more of a performance-based aspect to the to the mental game I'd say it's a lot more um, learning what works for you mentally and then applying that in tournaments you're gonna so have to it's, give us I know Hannah you're chomping to talk about this because I can tell you're so tough mentally but you're gonna have to give us more examples yeah because so people don't I don't I don't know what you're talking about yeah so vision 54 well Hannah take it so vision 54 is very individualized um, they basically have three uh, three boxes that you perform in and that's just kind of the beginning of 50, vision 54 honestly but you have your think box your play box and your memory box and so your think box is kind of leading up to the shot you know it's gathering your information what are you actually going to do with the golf shot your play box you kind of have a trigger to get into it normally but your play box is what you do from the moment you step up to the golf ball to the moment you finish your golf swing so what's your thing that you're focusing on is it visualizing the shot is it hearing the ball come off the club you know are you feeling something in your grip or you focused on a swing thought just anything and it can change and then your memory box is going to be how you react and so that has been what's been a huge impact on my game because even if you get a bad shot you don't need to get negative about it so you have to find the good in it and you know whether it be okay I hit that really pure it didn't turn out how I wanted it to but I hit that really really pure I can do that again or you know maybe you hit a, a really good shot 
and you know it's great everything's good you get you know get excited about it or maybe you hit a bad shot turns out good you know just because you didn't hit a great shot there you've got to look for the good I mean it turns out good who cares you're putting for birdie awesome we're in we're in good hands or hit a bad shot turns out bad it's like you just have to kind of put it behind you and keep that emotional you know level really low um, one of our big things we've talked about is the more emotion you put into something the more you're going to remember it so those bad shots or those not you know not very pleasant shots you just keep it really really level you know just stay even killed about it don't put too much emotion into it but then you know you hit a good shot you stick it close get a little excited about it show a little bit of emotion there's nothing wrong with that and so that way it's in that memory bank and you're you're really pushing for it i mean you know whatever you're creating a, a categorized memory bank throughout your round and throughout your practice that you can kind of go to at any moment to bring you into a good shot Yes. Is that what I'm hearing on the memory side? Because the memory side doesn't take place uh, while you're hit hitting that shot. No. Mm-hmm. That's the play. Yes. That's the play box. The memory box is strictly after you hit the after you hit the golf ball, after you turn out. And so I think one of the big things that I had to realize is a memory box isn't, you know, it's not revolving around how well you hit it. It's not revolving around how the shot turned out. It's strictly revolving around how you react to the shot. And so you know, one the three things that they say is it's good enough, good or great. I think is or not good. Maybe the first. Is one. there not good? Is there not good category what is there? The, what's the first one? Um, I think it's great, good, and good enough. Great, good, and good enough. And so you know, if you hit a kind of a skanky drive, but it's in the fairway, you may only hit it. At, you may have only hit it two thirty or something like that. But hey, you're in the fairway. You know, just. I like the only two thirty. <laughs> one of our uh, one of our teammates' favorite saying is that could have gone better. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just finding you know whether it's the same thing every time where you just find a little saying to have. You know what my saying is? What's your saying for Lucy? We can work with that. There you go. Yep. Because yeah, most of the time I want to say, God, that was terrible. <laughs> and if I did that, you know what would happen, right? She would be a mess. Oh, yeah. And if I say, oh, we could work with that, she's convinced in her mind that it's good enough. So it's kind of a little bit in that category mm-hmm. of that memory box. Do you subscribe to this, Abby? Oh, yeah. I think it's been definitely a big help just uh, kind of putting the mental game into context. A lot of people think, oh, the mental game, you have to be mentally tough, but then they don't do anything to then make themselves mentally tough. So I think it's, it's definitely a good application-based trial and error uh, system where they give you a bunch of uh, suggestions of things to use in those different boxes. And they can be like, hey, try this swing thought. You can go out on the range and you can try it. And if you like it, great. And if you don't, move on. All so. right, let's, let's break down your think box for a little while. Okay. Can we, can we do that? Are you yeah, okay yeah, with that? Absolutely. So you were on one today. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of pressure. There's some. I mean, come on, yep. you're standing on the tee box at two, right? Like, look behind yeah. us, right? We got Payne Stewart looking at us. Okay. <laughs> you literally can see him right now. Do you go right into that comfort think box? Is there something that you pull out right away on the first tee box for yourself, or do you I not think, even need to do that at this point? I think the big because that's thing, a tight fairway out there on one. I mean, there's some trouble yeah, on both sides. That's. Sure. I saw a couple girls hit three wood. I had a three-wood. I had a three-wood. We hit it too long to hit driver. Oh, sorry. Too big. They're too long. <laughs> big dogs. Okay, so... <laughs> yeah, <in> so that- <laughs> I think the big thing about the think box is having something really repetitive and really repeatable. So when you're getting up on the tee, it's not anything different that you're doing. It's not anything uncomfortable. 
because there's something there's something super I guess reassuring about something you've done a thousand times so my fake box uh, I don't have a ton going on in my head when I'm playing golf shots I'm a pretty chill pretty I guess not super technical golfer uh, so my fake box just just involves like which way is the wind going where's my start line on this one I'm gonna hit a draw into the wind it's gonna push it five yards um, and is that play box no, that's think box. That's think box. Play box is more of like when you're up over the ball. So yeah. for me, my play box this week, my play box almost always revolves around a swing thought. Um, how many different ones do you have? In the play box or swing thoughts? For you today, how many different swing thoughts did you have? Because I would think that you go to the same swing thought all round long if it's working. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, pretty much, I have a tendency to let my hands get a little high coming back down on the downswing. They get a little high on uh, at impact. And so I really just have to focus on my hands kind of staying closer to me. And it's almost more of a feel than anything. I'm not, not actually thinking anything. I'm just, you know, feeling my way through my golf swing. And, you know, you can... Uh, <laughs> That's great. So... You know, think box. I'm. It's pretty much for me. Think box is gathering information. You figure out how far it is, where you want to hit it, where you're going to put it up on the green. Um, you know what the wind's doing, uphill, downhill. Just basically gathering everything you need to to have a good shot. And then your play box is going to be whatever it might be. Um, for some people, they visualize the shot tracer going towards the hole or mm. going towards where they want to hit it. That's what some people do. Some people are, you know focused on something they hear i like the sound thing you you, you already mentioned the sound yeah. and i mean for me sometimes my play box if i'm in the zone it's just simply the thought turn and turn um that's been something that's stayed with me for a very long time break now. that it's, down it's just turn and turn i mean you turn back turn through i mean it's, yeah. it's that simple and so that way for me i gotta stay simple and so if i can stay simple with just that little swing thought right there then i get more athletic because we're athletes. We're playing a sport. Like Abby said earlier, like we grew up playing all kinds of different sports. I mean, played basketball. I played flag football. I mean, with boys. Um, it was just. I told Allie when you were on standing. What did I say, Allie, when we were looking at Hannah on 18 today? She's she over there, right there. I said, look at that girl. You don't even remember? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, she looks like a pro. <laughs> she just looks. I mean, the all black like helped a little bit, but you are. You do look like an athlete and. Clearly, you're both athletes. You're multi-sport athletes. You spent some time playing volleyball. I think that's going to take us into our next topic here, actually. I, and I'll tell you what the wind's doing. It's blowing right now. <laughs> the wind is okay. blowing. But that's all right. It's, you already threw it, so you don't need to worry about that anymore. So um, we were doing some research, and we found that you had an injury, so we want to talk about that. So, um, well, Abby, I mean, tell us horrible, how that happened. Horrible yeah. injury. I yeah. Mean, obviously, you've talked about it in the past. I'm sure it's something that's brought up. But mm -hmm. when, we, when we read that quick bio on yeah. you... It was like, like a gruesome, terrible situation that you fell yourself, and we're looking at a scar that's the width of two quarters, and it's on both sides of that right wow. arm right now. Yeah. Nasty. Pretty Good. pretty dirty break. <laughs> we won a championship. What happened? You guys taking a team uh, picture? So I used to play. I used to play travel volleyball growing up. Uh, I played high school volleyball and travel. Uh, and unfortunately, I cannot say that it happened during play. <laughs> we were. <laughs> We were in between games up on like a coach's platform thing. And uh, as I was getting down, I fell about 10 feet and landed on my arm and snapped it inside out. So oh. Bones out? Broke, yeah, it was, it, was, it was poking through a little bit. Um, we had four bones broken in that arm. 
Mm -hmm. Broke. How old were you? Four or five bones 15? and tore the brachial artery. Uh, I was 14, I believe. Yep. Wow. So they you actually told me I wasn't going to play golf. Yeah. They said you never, maybe never play again. Yeah. Maybe. They were considering if they couldn't get, so like the main artery in my arm was severed. Um, and so they were worried about not getting blood flow back. Uh, in which case, you know, I'd, I'd be, well, I wouldn't be sitting here, but I would have one arm. <laughs> well, you have two and then you went on to win. <sighs> Two state titles after you broke that arm, I think, maybe three. Who knows? I mm -hmm. can't keep up with you two. But obviously it worked out, and you had a little bit of something go on where you lost a season too, didn't you? I lost my sophomore season. Uh, it was the 2019-2020 season. Uh, that summer I found out I had a torn labrum in my hip, and so we decided to go ahead and have the surgery because I, I couldn't walk 18 holes. It was too painful. Um, so they went in laparoscopically, reattached the labrum to the pelvis, filed down a little extra piece of bone on the head of my femur and about eight months later i was playing 18 holes but uh it was a it was a long pretty tiring recovery you don't realize how much your hip has to play a, a role in everything just sitting up in the bed i mean that was you know that was kind of a struggle there for a minute so i was on crutches for a couple or uh, a couple weeks i was in a hip brace for a f you know three weeks or something like that and i didn't i didn't touch a golf club for two and a half, three months probably. Couldn't even putt and chip until I had the surgery in August and then started putting and chipping in the, in November. So it was, it makes mine sound like a paper cut compared to. I don't think so. That sounds <laughs> miserable too. I mean, yeah. both are awful, but what did you learn from that about yourself, Abby? Uh, so breaking my arm actually was, I guess, kind of the moment where I decided I wanted to play college golf as weird as that sounds. Uh, when you have something taken away from you and someone telling me that you're not going to play golf again, uh, I think that I'm kind of stubborn, like I said, just made me want to play golf even more. So it was definitely, definitely the moment where I was like, wow, like I'm, I'm going to miss golf more than anything. And from then on, it was, it was all golf for Full me. Full commitment from that point forward. For sure. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was definitely a struggle. Um, especially I'd experienced college golf my freshman year. And so then, you know, I traveled to every event. So then to come up the next season and watch all my teammates, you know, go travel and just enjoy the, the college athlete experience. I wasn't really a part of that. I lived in our, you know, our athletic training room, but it really, in the long run helped me not only mentally but also physically because my athletic trainer she told me she said go live in the gym she said you can't do anything else go live in the gym so I hit the gym pretty hard and I kind of fell in love with it and uh she's kind of swole now she's cut <laughs> I ended up gaining probably about 20 yards off the tee after that you know Isn't I just that crazy both of you guys I mean you have this long break in what you love everyone thinks you have to spend every day at it mm -hmm. and then you got catapulted forward in your game because it was taken away from you. Absolutely. You know, I... Breaks are huge. I mean, I think everybody's out there spending 12 months a year right now. I'm talking juniors. I mean, you guys know the junior game pretty well. I mean, you've seen some crazy. Have you yeah, seen some crazy no in your life? Oh, yes. I grew up, actually, one of my favorite things that my parents did uh, did with me growing up was... I mean, they didn't make me, obviously, but I took about six months off of golf every single year until I was about... 14 didn't touch a golf club you just said I, six yeah five weeks, or six weeks five or six months Hannah I played no, I didn't do that I played travel basketball travel volleyball didn't touch a golf club Ellie what? Ellie this How? was through middle school I'd say and then I'd come back to golf 
it was probably more like four or five months, but I'd come back to golf four or five months later and I would be so excited. It's interesting. Like, would yeah. just, just so excited. And I think if I had, if I hadn't have done that, then I think I would have probably gotten a little burned out. I mean, my parents never forced me to, to play golf or honestly play any sport in particular. It just came from, from me wanting to, just kind of put but how, time how good things. I don't really I know what you've done recently okay mm-hmm. we've we've seen it we're going to talk about it but I don't know what you were doing when you were let's just call it nine to twelve years old yeah I mean I, me. I wasn't by any means like I, honestly I don't even remember I won I won some SJGT tournaments you know some smaller tour you stuff you do US kids I did way back in the day I qualified for drive chip and putt uh, I and they let you sit it out for six months with all that success. Mm-hmm. It's pretty special. Like I said, I was probably more like four. Probably more like four. Um, four to five. But, yeah, my parents my parents grew up as athletes. They know the, the grind. And they just just kind of let me, let me be me. See, we're called Grow the Grind, though. So we want to encourage people to work hard. Yeah. Uh, and we wanted them to be able to play in the North and South someday. Yeah. In the U.S. Open, play for Mississippi State. And the only way that you can do that is if you're passionate about practice yeah. and getting better, right? And I am. <laughs> and you clearly are, And but you were able to do that. I was passionate about a lot of other things growing up. I as well. I mean, it was just I was one passionate of the- about basketball, passionate about volleyball. I was, I was putting a ton of practice into everything I did. I loved playing basketball. I probably loved football more. I always told my parents, like, you know, I wanted to play football. The middle school football coaches tried to get me to play quarterback. My parents wouldn't let me. They said they were afraid I'd get hurt. (laughs) Whatever. Still a little salty about that, but it is what it is. For me, uh, you know, I would take a little bit of time off uh, in the winter months deer hunting. That's something I absolutely love. As as Gary Shepard walks by right now and Ivy's coming up 18, she loves to do Have you ever gone with her? She should go deer hunting with Ivy. I actually took Ivy deer hunting. Did you? She <laughs> killed her first deer hunting with me. Oh my goodness. So, uh, yeah, Ivy killed a nice deer when she went with me for the first time. Abby, what do you think of this? Uh, I'm not a huge hunter. <laughs> no, me neither. South so. Louisiana, but... One of the less okay, country so go people on. on our team. So winter months, you know, I'm up at the deer camp for a few days at a time. I come back, I, you know, practice a little bit, go back up to the deer camp. I mean, kind of from Thanksgiving till, you know, New Year's, I'm just, I'm more interested in deer hunting, honestly, because I don't get to do it very often. Um, and so I, you know, last year I spent a good little bit deer hunting, especially with COVID. You couldn't really do anything else. And even up until, you know, high school, I would go fishing a lot with my uncles. And so um, I'd spend, I'm from the coast of Mississippi. We'd go out on the water and occasionally do a little deep sea fishing, you know, just kind of stay closer to shore most of the time though. And, you know, fish a lot, but you know, the you only turn your mind off, you're able to turn your mind off, but we, we are trying to get a little deeper into like that practice and that growing the grind. And Allie loves talking about, about that. So, yeah. Um, recently I found some through this podcast, I found a lot of drills that I like to do and that have helped me. So I'm curious, like, what are some drills that you do and some drills that work for you guys with putting anything like so actually, I think what Abby and I did really hard this spring was dial in our wedges, especially the second half. We have a track man up at school, and so we lived on that track man 
um, this spring, especially, like I said, that second half, um, we'd just set up a combine and get a bunch of shag balls and hit them down the length of the range, working from really 50 to 115 yards. Um, and we, though, practicing wedges is something that you're going to see results from very quickly. Um, just being able to dial it in like that, it, it is a major factor, especially when we're a little bit longer and we have a lot of wedges in and in these par fives and everything, you know, you can hit them inside of 15 feet. I mean, you've got looks every time. The wedge thing is, is a big deal, but a lot of people don't have track, man, to just sit yeah. there and do that. So I think some of the more practical stuff that is okay. more effective for juniors or people that listen to us are some specific games like that chipping challenge stuff that maybe you can get into with us or some putting yeah. drills that really do work. For sure. So I'm... uh I'm not a huge range rat. I've always been a, a really good ball striker, so that's not where I tend to focus most of my time in practice. I love a short game. Uh, chipping's probably my absolute favorite thing to do in practice. Uh, I just think it's it's super cool to different shots, like putting spin on the ball. It's just always been super fun for me. Uh, I'd say my favorite chipping drill, uh, and I did this drill probably probably almost every day leading up to about the three weeks leading up uh, to SECs this year. And I chipped incredible at SECs. Uh, it's two ball worst ball chipping. So you take two balls and you play nine holes. And so you hit your chip and you hit two chips actually. And you take the worst one and then you hit one putt. You don't have to do two ball worst ball in the putting. It's just the chipping. So uh, you're taking your, your worst chip and trying to get it up and down. And the goal is to finish the drill in three over or less, which sounds like a lot. Very hard chipping drill. Uh, because you say it was nine holes or 18? Nine I missed holes. That. Yeah. It usually takes me about 25 minutes to do, and then I'll run it back if I don't get three over. How far out are you usually? You just work around a circle on the green? Just uh, drop three balls at different spots, one pin? Mm-hmm. Well, I do. So I do try and do pretty basic chip shots. Um, because you're not gonna get, you're not gonna get the the flop shots all the time on the course. So I try and groove the, I'd probably say what, 15 20. to 20 feet yeah, I was gonna chips, say. Uh, lofted and bumps. Uh, I try and get both, but I'll put throw two balls down, hit both of them, try and get it up and down, and then pick a hole, pick another hole. Okay. I won't, uh, I won't pick all nine to start out. Yeah. So one of my favorite chipping games is um, a little bit more. Uh, it's not even really necessarily a game. It's more of a drill, but it's really trying to dial in trajectory and, and control. And so I kind of make a ladder out of some string, and I have four landing zones. And um, from that last landing zone, I you know set up a box using the string as well, about six to eight feet away. And the chipping zones are all four feet. And so I'll take the same club, four balls, and I'll try and land one ball in that last zone, get it to finish in that box and then the second zone and then the third and then the fourth and so really what that does for me is it allows me to you know to see how I can control the chip with these different clubs I'll do it with all you know my two or three wedges that I'll practice with Um, and so I'm able to control the wedge a little differently control the spin a little differently but I'm also having to make sure I make good contact and hit it in those zones Um, one thing coach Ewing always tells me is you have to you know control your contact control your trajectory and then you're really focusing on where you're landing it to get it to run out to the hole if you get those first two things then you can dial in how far you're actually hitting the chip Um, 
And so that's been one of my my go-to chipping drills that I do to really make sure that, that I'm dialed so good. in. That is so good because everybody talks landing spot immediately. Mm-hmm. That's all, right, Ellie? Yeah. Your whole focus is landing spot. It is. I think you spend all your time walking up to the green thinking about that. Lucy's the same way with that. I'd say most junior golfers do that as well. So how do you control contact and how much time do you spend on the trajectory stuff? Well... I wouldn't say it's the focus of my practice because I do think, you know, getting out there and actually hitting those chips, you know, that are more like game time chips are probably more important than anything. So I, it's kind of like you do with your swing. You know, you work on your swing for a little bit, but then you go out and play. You know, you go out and you try and work different shots on the range. So it's similar to that sense where I work on my contact, I work on my trajectory, and if I'm all good, then I'll go hit my different style chip shots and, you know, hitting, you know, hitting different shots onto the green, kind of trying to work the ball, things like that. Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a huge percentage uh, maybe 25% of my time is spent, you know, really dialing in that. And the contact is really just technique and also trajectory. I mean, if you don't have a good technique, you're not going to be able to pick it clean and hit it a little higher or anything like that. And so, you know, kind of, you know, tinkering with ball positioning and then obviously just, uh, you know, spine angle and everything like that. I mean, there are a few different little ways I, I tinker with how high or low I'm hitting my chip shot. I'd say the the point where my chipping really made a big turn uh, was actually someone on the men's team, Garrett Johnson, uh, told me to go out and just hit a ton of chips with one hand, just hit a ton of right-handed chips. I was struggling with the club digging a little bit too much, and I wasn't using enough bounce. And when you're using your right hand to chip, obviously the club can't dig. And if it does, you're going to stub it. So I hit a lot of one-handed chips when I'm struggling with contact and that really helps me out on on wet days, really tight lies, because you don't want the club to dig there. So uh, I'd say that's definitely definitely something, a point of focus that's very, uh, I guess, result-oriented. It's not anything you're tinkering with, with ball position, any of that stuff. It's just something that can give you a really good feel of how you're using the bounce. When did you have the biggest improvement or jump in the quality of your play? Um, so for me, when I actually, I committed to Mississippi State when I was about 16 years old. And up until that point, I had not made any kind of statement in junior golf. I had played a few SJGT tournaments, um, never grew up playing U.S. kids. I didn't start playing tournaments till I was nine. And even then they were more just local tournaments, but, uh, I committed to Mississippi State. And then a couple weeks later, I was playing in my first AJGA event and ended up winning it, um, come from behind win. And so I won that one and it it just was really a confidence booster. And then that way I earned full exemption into the AJGAs. And so played in a few more, ended up winning one more at the same course, actually a couple years later. But I, you know, I played in the invitationals that I got into and, you know, moved up the ranks a little bit and really just gained a lot of experience. And so I think that ultimately helped my game. Um, And then in college, for me, it's really just been dialing in my putting. Uh, I've always been a pretty good ball striker and just really controlling, controlling the speed on the greens and then making those putts that I have for birdie, you know, those, those good birdie looks inside of 15 feet. Um, so I've really, you know, I, I'm similar to Abby. I'm not a range rat. I don't hit a ton of golf balls. I really spend a lot of time on my short game, um, trying to be creative around the greens, on the greens. Um, and so, 
Honestly, I haven't, I don't feel like I've made a statement in college. I'm a good college player. I've had some good finishes. I won a tournament back in the fall, uh, Georgia's home tournament, but you know, I know there's a, there's a lot of improvement left for me. Um, I, I know I'm steadily trending with my putting. I'm not a bad putter by any means. I don't consider myself to be a bad putter, but I'm not great yet. Um, and so that's really what I'm working for or working towards is to become that great putter and, uh, you know, just, be pretty consistent, you know, manage the miss as well and just learn more about about myself and how I play and how I manage. And Vision 54 has done a, a great, you know, deal for me in terms of learning how I can be the best version of myself to have the possibility of going out and playing my best golf. Uh, I'd say there's probably about two points for me. Uh, I'd say the point where I actually truly dedicated myself to golf and really decided that this is what I wanted to play both in college and professionally. I think there's a lot that can be said for you uh, You get what you put into it, you know? So if you're, when I when I was 14 and I decided that golf is what I wanted to do, uh, I got really dedicated and I definitely saw a jump there. Uh, before then, I was, I was a, a good player. I was an athletic player, but I hadn't really seen a ton of success in tournaments. Um, and then bit of a, a strange spot, but I'd say this past semester was a really big turn for me. And I'll, I'll give Coach Ewing some credit. We don't, we don't give each other a ton of compliments, so I'll, I'll give him this one. Uh, when he took the co- coaching job this semester, from day one, he has given me so much confidence in my game. Uh, he'll just come up to me and, and <laughs> tell me I'm the best dadgum ball striker he's ever seen. <laughs> and I think... I think I always kind of had had some skills, some athleticism, but I never had that confidence. I never stepped up on the tee really truly believing that I belonged there. Uh, and I think that's been a huge change this semester. I had some solid finishes, some solid rounds, and then I was able to qualify for the Open uh, this, this past year, or this year, I guess. So, um, yeah, I'd definitely say we've, we've seen some, some big improvements, confidence mentally, and then those feeding into the the actual golf game all right Allie ask Hannah that then for our listeners that don't know much about coach Ewing what is it like to play for him (laughs) Anna (laughs) coach Ewing is honestly amazing he has really changed my game in terms of he's let me be myself a little bit more on the golf course so I'm the type of player where I like to go after pins I don't like playing to the middle of the green on every hole sometimes it's necessary but you're not going to make birdies if you're not you know, going after a few pins here and there. Um, so he really allows me to play my game, but then also, you know, in practice and just, he spends a lot of time with us. He's, I swear he lives out at the barn. That's our practice facilities at Mississippi State. He's there when we get there. He's there when we leave. Like we're out there a long time. We're one of the hardest working teams in college golf, probably. And the amount of time he spends out there and he's always there to help. He's never going to turn you down. If you come up to him and say, hey, coach, can you look at my putting? Hey, coach, can you look at my chipping? Like, can hey, can we work on how to hit these different bunker shots or how to hit these different chip shots? I mean, he's just always, always trying to help us improve. And not only that, but he's also a huge encouragement. He just is always trying to fill your mind with good things. And he's always trying to help you build on the things you're good at and then help you build on the things that need a little bit more attention. And I mean... 
he's just a fun guy to be around honestly you know he's a deer hunter as well we have a couple on the team so we all get along really well but i really appreciate how he builds relationships with each one of you know each one of us as players um i know today this morning before the first round he sent all six of us in one big group text you know a good luck text and then i'm sure he probably texts us all individually too i know he texted me individually a short little line he probably texted you too huh abby so i mean he's just always there and you know it's one of those things where it goes past golf he's you know he told us as soon as he came in he said I don't want you know golf to be the only thing you leave here with you know or leave Mississippi State you know having him I don't want he he always says uh he doesn't want golf to be the only thing that we we have with him and so the fact that he spends so much time with us and he makes it a point to come tell us bye if he's leaving the barn or if we're leaving the barn or whatever it is you know it's just really it's a It goes past golf. It goes past golf. And that's one thing that we can all really appreciate on the team. And we all just get along really well. We're, we're, it's very easy to be ourselves, especially with him, because he's very much not afraid to be who he, to be who he is. And so we're a very goofy team. We always say we bring out the weird in each other. Um, and so it's, you know, it's something special we have. Uh, just with him, with each other, we, we hang out, we, we goof off i mean all fun fun and games and you know we so from what i'm hearing is uh mississippi state's on the rise i mean if it's that much of a family focus tight-knit grinder type warehouse in the barn over there one of the dogs uh, are going to be on the stage soon right i mean is this something that we're going to be seeing maybe you guys finding your way into a match play sometime here in the next couple ncaa's i mean you've got this the the, talent the dogs will be barking next year you think so Oh, well, yeah. I think, you know, was, uh, there was a lot to be said after finishing runner-up at SECs. You know, we finished in, we finished fifth in stroke play and honestly didn't have our best game. And we come out, we beat number, you know, the one rank or the – I think Ole Miss was like the four-ranked uh, fourth-seeded fourth team. We come out, we beat them. They're ranked fifth in the nation. Very next match, same day, 36 holes. We come out, we beat LSU, fourth-ranked in the nation. Number well, one. Ole Miss didn't do too bad in the end, did they? Well, hey, listen here. They went, I think, 7-1 and one in match play this year right. with Eastlake Cup, SECs, and they NCAAs. They are great at match well, play. we gave them that one one loss in match play this year. I we were the only I, loss they right took in that match nugget. play. Right. <laughs> okay, so, so we're, 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 it's safe to say we should look out for these girls. Oh, yeah. Yep. So Allie McDonald, now Allie Ewing, is my favorite player. Has been for actually years since her rookie season. She is a legend in Mississippi State. Maybe the best to ever play there. We saw the event you, your program hosted during the college season is now called Allie, which I think is pretty cool. What is she like? Does she hang around much? Yeah, so Allie, Allie's been a huge part of our program this semester. She is obviously busy with her own tournaments and her own schedule and being the stud that she is. And she definitely, she definitely takes her time to... She comes out and practices at the barn. She asks us how our game is, plays chipping games with us, is always there for, for yes, golf advice, but stuff beyond that. I mean, she's made it very clear that she wants to be someone that we can come to with, with anything going on in our lives, uh, which it's been so huge having her there for, for that advice because with as great of a person and as great of a player as she is, she's going to be someone that we all look up to. 
and she's just made herself very available to all of us. Is always there, be it by the phone or at the barn. Uh, and when I got to play at the Open this year, she was just a fantastic mentor there. We played practice rounds together. She introduced oh, me did? to her friends. Mm-hmm. And you're such a spoiler there because we were going to talk so long about that experience. I mean, you, how great was that? Yeah, it was. There's a lot was of the AMs. That was kind of like my life, it was kind of sure. like the amateur event of the century for women's golf. Yeah, I mean, there's like three or four at the top of the page the first few days, mm-hmm. and you shot 81 the first day, which actually that's a. It, it sounds like a huge number, but it, it really isn't. I mean, those. I yeah. mean, that, that was it. That I was got a plain. ball stuck in the tree. Did that you? was fun. <laughs> what? Did yep. you really? Never came down. And then? Did you have to hit it? You didn't do a Sergio. You ever see Sergio climbed in a tree and hit a shot out of a tree? We couldn't. If I could have found the ball, like wherever it was sitting in the tree, I actually could have taken it unplayable. But Since we you never saw it, it never was like, saw it, yeah, couldn't it identify it. Back and hit it. So I had to re-tee. So. Was but that day two or day one? That was day one. Day 181 oh, ball and tree. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the golf wasn't anywhere near what I wanted uh, but Olympic Club is a is a brutal course, and I mean, took a took a lot of positives, even though you even the golf wasn't. You should qualify for that's incredible, and I think yep. what was that experience like? They treated you like you. Oh, were... it was it was first class. USGA runs first class events. Everyone I've played in has been just absolutely top notch. Yeah, that's great, and you're going to be there soon. Soon, you plan we'll, on we'll it, both right? be at Pine Needles next year. You can look for us. Oh, man, that'd be great. Yeah. Right here, just down the road. We haven't seen Pine Needles, but everybody loves it. Mm-hmm. We're actually, Hannah and I are both staying there. We're we staying are. together. You've been working the greens at all? You've been sneaking out there at night? We don't want to taint our practice from over here. Right. Different greens. They're running differently, right? Yeah, for All right, so recruiting is something we talked about with Coach Mikel from Baylor. He's the men's assistant and Coach Cantu over at Tennessee now. She's a former Maryland coach. It was cool to hear their perspective on that and how they thought that players needed to take a really active role in their recruiting process. You mentioned, obviously, you came on the scene a little bit late, Hannah, and then I'm not sure what your recruiting process was like for you, Abby, but was there was there a real strong active role that you guys played in that? Were you, were you reaching out to coaches? Were you writing letters? What were you doing in order to get your yourself in position to play where you're playing now uh yeah so i i started the recruiting process pretty young and hannah and i both growing up when we were going through that process the rules were a bit different and we were actually able to get into contact with the coaches a little bit sooner than than juniors are now but i would say i would say i took an active role in showing interest to the schools that uh, i had a desire to play at so I think it's it's definitely a good idea to. You might have been getting offered at fifteen then. That was right. You're right. Mm-hmm. It was before yeah. the things were changing. When I did committed. you get your first offer? And when did you commit? I committed when I was sixteen, and I I would say I did mainly most of my uh, in person visits when I was about fifteen. Uh, kind of narrowed it down to about five schools, and then. Uh, from there obviously picked the best school of the bunch so so for my recruiting process I mean I wasn't being looked at by many schools at all um it was just one of those things where like I said I was a little late and uh just hadn't played didn't have a ton of experience playing any big time tournaments and so uh honestly the only school I was in contact with was Mississippi State um no other schools I had 
I hadn't really talked to any of the coaches or anything like that. And my mom went to Mississippi State, and it's, you know, four hours from home. And so when when I was offered uh, a spot at Mississippi State, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm in. And then I think it honestly just took a lot of weight off of me after that. And then I was, like I said earlier, I was able to blossom. Yeah, you but exploded. I wasn't, I wasn't huge into the recruiting process. I didn't really have the same same experience as most girls, you know, that are in my position had. What's up with those dogs, baseball boys? The first ever Mississippi State National Championship like two weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. That was those your boys? Sweet week. We were we were hype watching those games yeah. for sure. We were we were jumping up and down. My a little d- jealous. We won a natty. But uh yeah, it was we, so great to see. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, just to watch them get that done and just they played so, so well, and I feel like to come down at the end of the season like that and play that strong is just a feat of itself. Yep. Um, so, you know, I think it was some crazy stat. It was the only College World Series uh, winner to not have, an error. not have an error in any of the games. I mean, or I think it was any of the games. Huh. I mean, yep. for our, our field to play that well, that was, that was something. You guys love that baseball yep. team. How's it, what's the experience like at Mississippi State in general, uh, the, the collegiate you know, sports world is always something that people admire, especially mm-hmm. down south, because you got different things like the tailgating scene. You got that the really high level baseball program there that's now transcendent, hopefully creating some momentum for other pro- for other programs, right? Yeah. For, mm-hmm. for for golf or for for football, wherever it needs to be. So, what's that experience like for you? As it's a little different, I know, because COVID screwed everything <clears> up. But you know what it what it should be. Maybe describe that for for those that have never had the opportunity to go there. Yeah, so, I mean, I can honestly say that college athletics has been the single greatest experience of my life. I mean, I've met, I've met my best friends that I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be best friends with for the rest of my life. Like, I don't care if we stop playing golf, if we all live in different states, we're never gonna lose, like, these relationships that we've built. And even extending beyond your own team, you make a lot of connections in the athletic program as a whole. Uh, I know I have, I have really good friends on, most teams I'd say at Mississippi State and so then you're you're watching these these games these college world series games and you're like I know him like yeah. we're friends and then able to able to support uh able to support all those other programs it's it's so much more fun to <laughs> shut up Go ahead. <laughs> sorry Do it. Do we it. have a, a bit of a thing behind the mic here so Abby's boyfriend is actually on the men's tennis team, and he's a dang good tennis player too. And so I'm giving her a hard time. Why are you over so here. shy? Are you, no. are you about to dump him? No. <laughs> oh, we just don't want to bring the man up. No, we just. I'm a private person. Okay, yeah, we'll my, keep that off. The, we'll keep, keep that off the main uh, headliner, but still. So, I mean, yeah, th- again, that's now just what I mean, though. I mean, I yeah. met I met my boyfriend in in the athletic facilities. We met at the athletic dining facility. So. Just uh, just experiences like that, you know, you can't trade them. You can't trade them for anything. Yeah, I'm big into our FCA program. I'm on the lead team there, so we normally have one to two players from every sport on our lead team. And so, you know, some of my really good friends that I keep up with and talk to, you know, they're on they're a part of that, and uh, we have a great time. They're good buddies of mine, and you know, you meet some you meet some pretty cool people. I mean, Will Bednar just got drafted um, 
the other day, MLB, four, uh, 14th overall pick, you know, he was on lead team. Robert Woodard, who's at um, in the NBA now, he was on lead team. And so I'm sitting here with these guys, and I'm watching them on TV winning national championships, playing in professional games, and I'm like, whoa, you're you're pretty cool. So I think there's something to be said about Mississippi State. And, you know, we, we send a lot more players to the pros and our, you know, our you know, especially football and couple in basketball and then especially in baseball. We send a lot more than people think. And so you get to experience, you know, and these our people, fan base, our fan like, base. We set so many records at the College World Series. I mean, even before, I think the super regional games like we have the top five on super regional attendance records in baseball, yeah. not just I one, all five. Um, probably six now. I honestly. think people might be sleeping on you guys a little bit. You can tell a lot from a school by how people treat it after they graduate. If you have really supportive alumni, really supportive people who continue to be invested in the school after they graduate, I mean, that's just a huge testament to the experience that they had when they were there. You know, I noticed that about Allie like years ago. That was before oh, yeah. Charlie was even. They were, I mean, they might have been dating at the time. He was the men's assistant coach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she still carries that same book that you guys carry in your back pocket on tour. She was a oh, volunteer yeah. assistant from, I think, the, the year she graduated. Yes. Went pro. She was well, a volunteer. she was actually a volunteer assistant with us this year. And, I mean, that was her first time back, like Abby said, since, you know, that after that year she graduated. But she's, you know, I've been, I'm going into my fourth year uh at Misby State, and she's always been around, you know. I mean, not even just to practice at the barn, but, you know, stop in, say hey, be an encouragement to us, and obviously now more so with Coach Ewing being the head coach. we got to get out there, Al. we got to go see Old Waverly. I mean, everybody loves Old Waverly. It's amazing. I, yeah. I think that people are just better out there. Are people so better? Great. Just nice. Yeah. You know, nice Mississippi's salt. a hospitality state. It has to be. You know, yeah. Talking about alumni with Mississippi State, I swear, I walked into an airport in Colorado a couple weeks ago, and I get off the plane, and this girl's like, I was dressed, decked out in Mississippi State, and this woman said, you know, I, my husband and I graduated from Mississippi State, and, you know, we were talking about the baseball game because it, you know, was over, it had just ended, and everything like that, and I swear, everywhere I go, every airport I step into, there's somebody that came from Mississippi State, and they're not afraid to step out and say, hey, I'm, a, you know, I'm you know, with, and you. I'm with yeah. you, and just support, and so to have that support, it's a family base. We have it on our t-shirts, family with the big M State in the middle. It is truly a family. So tomorrow you two are at it again. Time to qualify for match play. And in order to do that, we are going to go low. Like, super low. <laughs> Pinehurst number four awaits. But you made it through number two. And those Donald Ross turtleback greens? So number four should be an easy walk in the pines. Thank you again for joining us here on the range behind the main scoreboard at Pinehurst. The view of number 18 and the Payne Stewart trophy is pure but not as pure as our time with you dogs. Good luck this week, and thank you so much for coming on Grow the Grind. Thank you all so much for having us. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Obviously, we're rooting for you now. You guys are in sync there. It's like your swing on 18 tomorrow. You're going to be coming in low. Um, we're going to keep following you. We're going to come check awesome. in on you. Maybe come watch you play sometime and, and when you're back in school and really see that whole thing firsthand. Um, Please do. Come out to the alley. Yeah, yeah, we might October, check that alley out. October, I think, 25th through the 27th. Sure. Yep. What else are we doing, Allie? Sounds like a good event, right? Hey, you can get, you can get Coach Ewing on this. All right. Oh, see, yeah. yeah, we, yeah and, see. Hey, Allie might be there, too. I, Allie already committed to us a couple times. Okay. We had actually hoped to go out and see her um, 
jump in Poppy's Pond. You know, no. we thought she'd win yeah. it, and then COVID canceled it at the year yeah. we were going to San Diego to sit oh, down with her. Gotcha. And uh, so, yeah, she's gonna, we're going to hold her to it, because I know she's going to listen to this one, right? She's, she's not going to run from us forever. We will find her, and we will make sure hold that she's down. Down. We'll hold her down for you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Somebody's going to have to. That, that's a wrap. Time to watch some more groups make a mess of number 18. Thanks for listening, and always remember, golf is great, the grind makes it greater. Let's go. Awesome.